This is Ballot Vox, the pointer's coverage of the upcoming 2022 provincial and municipal elections. Reporting today, Sam Graywall. For anyone who's followed the pointer over the last few years, you would know that in in Peel Region, Mississauga, Brampton, and and many parts of the 905, a huge problem that we've tried to focus on uh, has been the the widespread reality of systemic discrimination across institutions. So uh, in many, many public institutions, government agencies, municipal government, city hall, uh, in the police forces, in healthcare, in the education system, the major school boards, uh, even in the private sector, uh, and in a lot of um, organizations and institutions I didn't even just mention. Um, basically, it's the same problem. Rapid demographic shifts across the 905, particularly Peel. You saw basically a homogenous region 50, 60 years ago. Overnight, you know, within 20, 30 years, uh, go from you know, hardly any visible minorities, like almost no racialized individuals, to the reality in Brampton, where close to 80% of the city is non-white. In Mississauga, it's about 60%, maybe more than 60% of Mississauga is non-white. In the two cities combined, you could do the math, it's around two-thirds, 70% uh, of the population identify as visible minorities or racialized residents. Yet, we continue to see the problems that they face every day, whether it's just being discriminated as students in the school system, going into the classroom every day for a lot of these kids, knowing that there's going to be bias that they face, challenges because of the color of their skin, because of their religious identity, because of their, their race. You go into the healthcare system, same thing. You get targeted by police. We've reported that the black community in particular you know, it was being targeted by Peel police at more than three times the rate in carding encounters. These are these stops where police pull innocent people over to get identifying information and data from them so they can enter them into a database for future policing needs in case they ever, you know, want to know who to call in an area if something happens or just to keep tabs on people. It's like living in a bloody, you know, emergency state as if we're in some third world area of the planet where political strife and religious turmoil has left certain minorities like, you know, in that pretty sad situation where they're constantly monitored. Uh, you know, that's that's more or less what, what uh, a lot of people in Peel have had to deal with, especially, like I said, the black community. And Joel, tell us a little bit about what the Liberal Party and their leader, Stephen Del Duca, it's not that complicated because I don't think there were a lot of details, but what, what did Mr. Del Duca and his Liberal Party roll out last week, promises and if the Liberals are elected come June, what they're going to do about systemic discrimination? Yeah, they've really taken a pretty strong stance on this ahead of the, you know, one month away from the election. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of concrete details in terms of the the how the Liberal Party would go about this, but they've made some pretty bold promises about trying to eliminate systemic racism, in particular, anti-Black racism within certain organizations or levels of government to try and essentially root out some of these problems that have, as you've laid out already, Sam, have been pretty persistent across a lot of our governmental systems all the way, you know, from from the federal government to the provincial government into the municipal sector and even the agencies, uh, many community agencies, you know, as, as anyone who's been following the pointer knows, we've been doing a lot of coverage of Peel CIS and they've had their problems with black staff trying to advocate for change there, both the city of Brampton, the city of Mississauga, their organizations not representing 
the communities that they are meant to serve. And obviously, the uh, Peel Regional Police has been a, a poster child for this in Peel and has a lot of problems uh, with trying to, to solve those issues. You know, it's something that the Liberal government has identified, especially as as Peel is, you know, sort of a, I think, a target area for them, that this is something that is going to resonate with this community because it's something they've been asking for for quite some time. Yeah. And just a few more details. So the Liberals, the the party uh, and their leader, Stephen Del Duca, if they form government, they're they're claiming that they would target two uh, institutions specifically. That's the education system and the policing system for education. They've said that, uh, you know, they would get rid of streaming, which the PC government currently is moving toward. And that's the practice of putting students into either an applied pathway, an educational pathway, which again, steers them away from university and sort of white collar professional jobs or putting them into academic streams that gear them, you know, up for university and, and, you know, getting into these more, as I said, professional types of careers. The liberals are saying that if they were put in power, they would get rid of that streaming because data and research shows conclusively that, this practice has discriminated against visible minorities, particularly black students who end up, you know, being placed by teachers unfairly. Like you, you could have a high performing, brilliant black student, you know, who's smarter than anyone. And just because they're black and there's stereotypes, you know, some teacher and their administrators who support them, you know, stick them into an applied pathway, which denies them opportunities to make it to university, for example. So the liberals say we're going to get rid of all that. The PCs have been moving toward it since a lot of the unfortunate reality has come to light. Uh, in policing, this is where I'm a little bit more unclear about what the liberals are talking about. They're saying that they will you know, make police forces reflect the communities they serve. They didn't explain how they would approach you know, the hiring of more diverse officers, trying to get forces to hire within their own communities. We know in Peel Police for decades, most of the officers who were being hired had nothing to do with the Brampton or Mississauga. They lived up in Barrie. They lived up even further north. Many, many people being hired from rural areas that didn't reflect the culture of Brampton, Mississauga, didn't reflect the demographics. So it was a recipe for disaster. I'm not going to get into too much of the reporting that we've done. Suffice it to say, you can just go and peruse the pointer just do some Google searches if you want to like take a look at just how brutal, you know, some of, you know, what the reality of this lack of reflection, the lack of representation of visible minorities within Peel Police, what it has led to human rights cases, you know, just a disturbing, you know, finding in the case of BJ Sandu, Staff Sergeant BJ Sandu, who ended up retiring as an inspector, but only after he had to fight his own force through the Human Rights Tribunal. And the evidence that came out just painted a picture of like basically a racist organization. You know, the carding data, all the cases of racial profiling of black residents by Peel Police goes on and on. And the new chief wants to move away from that past. His his approach is like, look, let's not dwell on things that happened in the past. Let's think about how we're going to fix all that and move forward and be progressive and be more proactive and great if he's able to do that. Let's see what he does. Maybe a liberal government, if elected, would be able to help him in that way. Peel District School Board, you know, again, the case of Ranjit Katkur, a former Peel vice principal, she brought, she had, was, when they would not promote her to the principal ranks, she brought forward a human rights case against Peel District School Board about a decade ago. Again, included evidence, you know, that showed hardly any of the principals in a school board where about 85% of the students are non-white, 
almost 100% of the principles when Ranjit Katkwer brought forward her case when they were denying her uh, a promotion to become a principal and she had to go to the Human Rights Tribunal, her evidence showed that like there are hardly any, like maybe one or two non-white principals uh, out of dozens and dozens and dozens, like I, I don't know the exact number, but probably more than 100 principals where they looked at the school makeup and the evidence showed that maybe one or two or three were non-white. Meanwhile, the vast majority of students were visible minorities. So it's basically, you know, a system where those in power wanted to protect their power. Uh, We know more recently about problems with PDSB. It got so bad in terms of the discrimination against black students and black families that the province saw enough when the evidence was overwhelming. Back in 2020, the province had to step in, essentially stripped the trustees of their governance authority, put in a provincial supervisor, Bruce Rodriguez, who very quickly fired the director of education at the time who led the organization. And now there's been steps made, you know, to get some equity and inclusion in the PDSB. But Joel, do you see this move by the liberals as nothing more than an election ploy? Do you think it's legitimate? Are you heartened by it? Do you see some, some real honest, authentic political will to finally change this this huge problem that impacts hundreds of thousands of residents in Brampton and Mississauga. Yeah, I'm torn down the middle on it. I think there are reasons to be optimistic, but there's also parts of this that do sort of smell a little bit of performative action. And And like I said, at the start, we haven't seen or heard any sort of real anything about the how, how they plan to do this. That's sort of where I think the rubber's going to hit the road. And, and just as an example, I think that if they have plans to reform the policing ranks, and, and we don't know, like you said, Sam, we don't know what sort of policies or things that they would put in place. But just the, how general the language is makes me think that you know they don't have a set or specific way of doing that. They just want that as a to-do list item which isn't a bad thing. The fact that it's on their radar is important and that can't be devalued. But the problem is, for one, it's easy to say that. And especially like when they when they talk about the streaming issue, well, Peel, because of the issues there, they've already started to move away from that. So sure, it might have a bit of an impact, but Peel's a little bit ahead of the game on that one. And I, I think that there are things that could have been in there that aren't in there. And that's sort of what's concerning to me, because when you look at what members of the black community have been saying, is that they need sort of, for one, they want just the government to listen to them, to listen to their voices and hear their concerns. And two, reports have shown repeatedly that without black voices around these tables, around these decision-making tables, nothing's going to change. And most recently, we, that same recommendation came from Mayor Bonnie Crombie's Black Caucus. They released a report in recent weeks which said, if you want to see change, particularly in policing, we need to have a member of Peel's Black Communities on the Police Services Board. And so this does go to the province because they appoint three members of Peel Police Services Board. And we've seen three appointments in 2022 already, and they've dropped the ball in all three of them. So does this suggest to me that a new liberal government may take that and apply it to this situation where they could appoint a member of Peel's Black community to the Peel Police Services Board, or that that is an option to them? Yes. So I think that there are signs or things to be optimistic about. But at the same time, the fact that those details aren't in there is concerning. 
one of the details that was a little bit more, um, I thought, grounded in, in some specifics and 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 in some legislative action that's already been proposed was the position that the announcement really took a stand on regarding the Our, Our London Family Act. This is a piece of legislation introduced by the NDP after the Afzal family in London, Ontario, were were killed. Four members of the Afzal family were killed in a in a brutal van attack, a, a murderous rampage in London last year. Everyone knows about it. It's one of the great national tragedies, and the Liberals have stated that they would support the Our London Family Act, which includes very specific language around you know creating safe zones close to religious institutions, mosques, providing more funding for education to tackle and confront Islamophobia in the school system, tougher rules about confronting white supremacy, some rules around stiffening approaches to hate crimes and working with police forces to make it a little bit easier to bring charges forward and to taking a look at you know how hate crimes uh, under the criminal code are are dealt with so those were all very good things to hear that the liberals said that they would totally back that legislation and work with the school system uh, you know around issues of islamophobia you know and that's great that's great to hear we need those things islamophobia like no surprise to anyone it's it's getting worse across canada you know i'm seeing as most of us in the media who keep our eyes on these things closely we're seeing violent incidents against our Muslim neighbors occurring way more often, like attacks on mosques, uh, on individuals. It's ridiculous. You know, similarly, when we talk about anti-Black racism, uh, which has been systemic in institutions like policing and education, you know, and it's been ignored for decades, we, we hope that the same thing doesn't happen with Islamophobia, you know, which has been a, more of a recent problem, like probably actually, I shouldn't say that recent, I think after 9-11, so, you know, more than 20 years ago, we really started to see, you know, complex dynamics and disturbing realities around Islamophobia. But, um, you know, the same could be said for anti-Black racism. They're all the same, right? You know, it's hate, it's divisiveness, it's intolerance, it's bigotry, it's discrimination. It might have different dimensions, but it's it's the same thing. It's the othering of our neighbors. It's, it's the preventing uh, of opportunities. It's the marginalization, all of these things. And in Peel, it's like the hotbed of these unfortunate realities, you know, because of the, the demographics, because the shift happened so quickly, because of certain cultural similarities and, and demographic realities across the region, you know, it's become a widespread endemic problem. You could call it a pandemic across Peel. And the liberals, you know, at the very least, Joel, I'm glad that they're at least highlighting it. I'm glad that they're at least putting it out there as an issue for the election. Do you hear, Joel, like in your circles and in all the reporting that you do and in monitoring what's happening, you know, in the media, what's what's happening, the legislative level, you know, across Ontario, across the GTA, do you feel that this decision by the Liberals and the announcement by Del Duca last week in Toronto about this aspect of the platform to focus on systemic discrimination, do you think it's getting traction? It's hard to say. I, I My instinct would say yes, just based on some of the discussions that I've had with people about the announcement and, and sort of what was included in there and what it hints at, that different people that I've spoken to are encouraged 
by that. Like I said at the start, in an area like Peel, where you very aptly put in, these issues really do come to a head because of Peel's demographics. I think this issue will be particularly pointed to voters there. I think that the liberals are very conscious of that. I think they're very conscious of trying to win back some seats in Peel region. And then, so this could be a strategy for them to try and, and push this at the forefront. And even using it as an election strategy, I don't think that that takes away from the fact that if they go ahead with the things that are proposed in that announcement, Peel will be better for it. And I think some of Peel's institutions could benefit from what the announcement suggests. I think that the liberals are going to continue to push this, especially when we start to see the candidates make announcements and make speeches and Peel. I would not be surprised to see this announcement in particular continue to be at the sort of forefront of their messaging around Peel region in the lead up to June 2nd. Yeah. And the, and the liberals certainly need to do something, you know, to get some seats back after the 2014 election. They had seven of the eight seats in Brampton and Mississauga for the 2018 election. The seat count was expanded. So Brampton was given five seats and Mississauga six for a total of 11. But just four years later, with now all of a sudden 11 seats up for grabs, the Liberals go from seven of eight to zero out of 11. And in 2018, those 11 seats, eight of them went to the PCs, three to the NDP. So you can bet the Liberals are trying to figure out ways, whether it's the issue of discrimination, uh, whether it's uh, other urban issues that are unique to Peel. You, you know, you, you can bet that as you said, Joel, those liberal candidates are really going to try to find ways to connect with voters who have shown in the past. I mean, you know, both Brampton and Mississauga have a long tradition of of supporting liberal candidates, voting them into office. And what took place in 2018, again, it could have been more of a reflection of just the widespread apathy towards the liberals and the frustration and in many cases anger after 15 years of liberal rule and some pretty terrible financial decisions and a lot of broken promises and probably too many scandals to count. (laughs) I'm not going to get into them, but we all know that the election was more of a referendum against 15 years of liberal rule. People were just frankly sick and tired. They should have been voted out of office two elections earlier, but the PCs couldn't get their act together. And so we'll have to see if come June 2nd, the provincial election, in in their strategy to win some of those seats back, if the issue of systemic discrimination, of the lack of opportunity for visible minorities, uh, the marginalization of religious communities, the difficulties that many visible minorities and racialized groups, you know, have had in all these institutions, as we've chronicled, as you said, Joel, CAS and Peel District School Board and even the Catholic Board and Mississauga City Hall, Brampton City Hall, Peel Police, the fire departments. You know, we could go on and on. The region of Peel, we reported that out of, I think it's only six now, uh, executive team members. At the beginning of the year, there were seven uh, at the region of Peel, their, their senior executive leadership team. Not one of them was non-white. You know, now still, my understanding is that of the six you know, members of the executive, the senior executive leadership team at the region of Peel, not one of the six is a visible minority in a region that is predominantly non-white. These things suggest systemic problems. And I can tell you right now, Joel, those six people who are on that team, they don't care. They're making their cushy $200,000, $300,000 a year. Why would they want to give up power? 
So it's going to be up to politicians and the elected you know, role of those politicians who are there to serve the voters, i.e. up to the voters, to install politicians who reflect their values. And once those politicians in place, then they can force change. You know, they can get rid of these bureaucrats and, 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 and officials and people who have shamelessly, you know, refused to diversify, who've shamelessly refused to have their organizations reflect the very people they're supposed to serve, you know, and it's only going to be through an election and the power of the vote, the power of the people that things are going to change. I hate to say it. I've witnessed this long enough, right? Like I've watched this play out, you know, for decades. And, you know, those who think that the people in power, that the status quo, they're, they're sort of all of a sudden become, they're going to become benevolent and they're going to make the changes on their own, you know, sacrifice their own well-being. No, we know they've put their their friends, their family, the people that they know, their in-group. They've consolidated this power for decades. Even, like I said, Peel District School Board, Look at what happened with the trustees. You know, I'm going to repeat it. A board whose student body body is almost 85% non-white that refuses to recognize that. When you look at the principals, the vice principals, most of the trustees, most of the senior administrators, the union, the union is practically actively fought against black representation in the union, in the union leadership. We've chronicled it. How the Peel District School Board, some of the some of the unions representing particularly the high schools, have actively fought against equity and inclusion. And that just goes to show if the unions are perpetuating this type of discrimination, this type of preventing denial of opportunity, you know, this is an economic issue. All these residents, they're sitting around going, wait a second, you know, we go to university, we work hard, you know, we get out there, but we don't get hired. You know, meanwhile, others get hired and get these cushy jobs with great pensions and set themselves up for life and they get to live a comfortable lifestyle. But all of that gets denied to us. All of that's like kept from us. We don't deserve those opportunities. So, yeah, I mean, the liberals are tapping into something. First of all, they're going to have to do a better job of messaging. And if they really want to connect with voters who are sick and tired about this stuff, they're going to have to get their act together, the liberals. But I suppose the announcement and the platform is a start. Let's see what they do with it. Joel, any last thoughts before we wrap it up? As I've reiterated in this podcast, I think that you know these are issues that need significant attention in Peel. We're seeing the consequences. You know, as you know, Stan, a lot of the reporting I've done is on the policing side of things. And when these issues are not addressed, we see the consequences in terms of use of force against Black residents being more than three times that of white residents. And so we see these negative consequences that can have significant impact on people's lives and even be deadly at times. We know that. We've seen that in Peel as well. So I think all I want to say is that if the liberals are serious about this, that's a very, very good sign for Peel region. I think that we'll hear a lot more about this issue as as June 2nd approaches. All right, Joel, thanks so much. And to everyone else, I hope you'll join us again next week for Ballot Fox. was hosted by Sam Graywall, produced by yours truly. Join us next week for continuing coverage of the upcoming provincial and municipal elections. I'm Jeff Chalmers. Thank you for listening. Talk to you then.